The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Good morning, and we'll get ready for another fantasy week. Welcome to the Roto Experts Weekend Edition with Scott Engel and George Kurtz. I am Scott Engel, the managing director of RotoExperts.com. I am the king. I am fantasy. Getting ready to sit, get you set for another fantasy baseball week. Is football it's not that far away? It's May, so people start getting crazy about it. And in, uh, in June, when you'll first see the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package on RotoExperts.com, we can't wait for that either. And with that, let's bring in my uh, my co-host, my colleague, my buddy. He is uh, George Blue Line Kurtz. George, how are you as we get ready for the second month of fantasy baseball? I'm doing well, Scott. You know, it's funny you should mention football. I actually have a uh, dynasty. Uh, I'm in a dynasty league. We have a rookie draft starting tomorrow at 9 a.m. Uh, so uh, football is in the wind here as well. Yeah, I got my rookie dynasty draft actually in two weeks. How, how, uh, how heavily have you started studying film? Oh, you know, it's it's, it's it's a year-long occupation, Scott. Uh, I have the 16th pick, uh, so uh, I won't be picking anywhere anytime soon. It's a, it's a slow draft, so uh, I'd be lucky if I pick by the weekend. So I, I still have time to uh, do my scouting, you know, to uncover any uh, any malcontents that I may want to avoid. Is it Are you drafting 16th because you you did so well last year? Is that because uh, – does your league do it in my league in terms of reverse order of record? Uh no, my uh my I it is because I did well uh, last year. I lost in the finals. Uh, it's a thirty-two team league, two uh two sixteen team conferences. So I won my conference, uh, but didn't win the uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, I got Todd Gurley. I got crushed because of Gurley. Thank you so much. But hey, if you're gonna lose, lose big. And I certainly did lose big. So uh, yeah, I have the sixteenth pick, and uh, I'll be going best player available. We well, it's a heavy IDP league. We still we start, actually start more IDP players than we do offensive players, and IDP is worth uh, some big time points. So uh, linebacker could be on the board for me, especially since I'm a Ruben Forster owner who may never play football again. This is why George Kurtz is on this network, because he plays 16-team IDP leagues. And so you're saying that you drafted 16th, but it has nothing to do with your, where you finished. Well, no, that's because I lost the Super Bowl, so I, I finished second place. I well, won my conference. Six, you won so your I, conference, so you're last in your conference. Yes, and it's not a serpentine. I pick 16th in every round. 
You know, right. it's just like just like the NFL. Uh, it's run the uh, same way as that. I've lost the Super Bowl now. I'm the Buffalo Bills. I've lost back-to-back years uh, in the Super Bowl. So picking uh, well, 16th is getting kind of annoying. Yeah, uh, listen, I'll take it. But I, I wouldn't mind winning one. It'd be nice. Yeah. But like you said, like the, it, is the whole draft like the number one team? Did they have the worst yeah, the record first last year? Uh, I would say yes. Yes, that is how it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I like to do it. Actually, my dynasty league is doing it how I commission it in my regular uh, home league that I've been running since 2005, whereas the teams that don't make the playoffs, this is something interesting that I've done because I always want to give the lower teams that don't make the playoffs an incentive to play. If six teams make the playoffs in my league and if you finish 7 through 12, the seventh team gets the number one pick. The, first, the team with the best record and or the most points and not make the playoffs gets the first pick. And then seven through 12 get one through six. And then the teams make the playoffs, that makes the playoffs, the Super Bowl winner gets the 12th. The Super Bowl winner loser gets the 11th. The team got that got eliminated in the first round with the worst record, will get the seventh pick. But the team that finishes with the best non-playoff record gets the first pick the following season. That is by far the best way to do it. Because people are always complaining. How do we keep the teams that are uh, out of it involved? And we do the same thing in my all my home leagues. Uh, if you uh, top three players uh, finishing the money, well, they, they're going to finish. To, uh, they're going to pick 10, 11, 12. You know, 12-team league. And the fourth-place team, a team that, in my mind, probably got screwed, it's a money league, so every transaction's uh, at least a dollar, some are $5. So you probably spent a ton of money, and you didn't fin- finish in the money. But your consolation prize is you will get the first overall pick. And the fifth-place team gets the second overall pick, and so on. And that should keep teams interested all year long because you're trying to move up in the draft. Even if you're uh, not going to finish in the money, but you're trying to move up, move up your draft pick. No more that you finished last, you're about to get the first-round pick. That's idiotic. People tank all the time then. So, well, we do the same thing, Scott, same exact way. And I think that's the best way. Anybody who always asks, how do you keep these uh, teams that are eliminated or from tanking, from not setting lineups, from starting DL players, this is the way. You know, I've been out in the battle a lot recently talking to people about fantasy sports, and it just seems like everybody's waiting for football to come. That I meet so many fantasy players, but they just they just play football. Not that people don't play baseball or daily or other sports, especially people that listen to this channel, but you just get the feeling like people are just waiting for football. It's, you know, with fantasy baseball players, we kind of had a conversation about this last week. They're very, very dedicated, but it's, it's, and, you know, I know you're dedicated to your hockey leagues, and I run into people all the time in my travels who are like, like you, they're very dedicated to my hockey leagues, but I just meet so many people and talk about fantasy sports throughout my work week that I just, so many people are just waiting for football. Well, I think, you know, football drives the industry. I forget yeah. what the numbers were, and even if I did remember, these would be numbers from four or five years ago. But well I think over it's, 60%. I think it's even higher than that. Yeah, And uh, ho- hockey is, uh, forget about it. So in 90, I don't even know what single digits at that. Basketball will be the same. Baseball will, I mean, sound, baseball sounds like it does, but it's maybe 20%. You know, everybody's playing football. And uh, the reasons are pretty simple. It's, it's one, for all intents and purposes, football is one day a week. I know there are Thursday and Monday right. games, but it's pretty much one day a week you're worried about. And so the, for a casual player or someone who doesn't know football, eh, you can, Sunday morning, you can just come set a lineup and you're done. 
You know, it takes 10 minutes. It takes a lot more than that to be successful, but for a lot of people who aren't, you know, crazy, they could do it that way. And football, I also believe, is more luck involved than any of the other fantasy sports. Mainly because it is one day a week. Baseball, you need to pay attention every day. You know, so there's more skill involved in baseball. And for that matter, I think it's hockey and basketball as well because they're an everyday sport. Football is, uh, is certainly a sprint. You know, you, you can get lucky and just draft, do a draft it and leave it. And maybe it works out for you. It's a head-to-head most leagues. So you could be the lucky team each week that plays the, low, the low-scoring team. It happens. And uh, I think we all know this. It's not surprising. Yeah, and football itself, it's like every week is an event. Because every team only plays once a week, and you only have 16 games. It's very interesting because I was, you know, watching Mickey Calloway's press conference last night after the Mets loss, and he, one of the reporters asked him, he said, "If he, if somebody said to you the Mets are in trouble, how would you react? You know, after they, I think they've lost five straight now." He said, "I wouldn't react. Is it's a long season." And, you know, there's going to be a lot of spurts where you're either bad or you're good. You know, right now the Yankees have won 14 or 15 and having an excellent spurt right now. But uh, his, his, the primary thing that struck me is that he said, is that, you know, he was talking about what a long, long season it was. And he, he said, if we, we, if we evaluated thing, everything by results only, then we'd be we'd be doing a disservice because fantasy football and the NFL is much more results oriented because you're only talking about one game a week there and if you start 0 and 4 your season could be over in the NFL and maybe even in fantasy football but you have to play you have to play with patience some of the best fantasy baseball seasons I've had are where I don't tinker with my team too much yeah I try not to tinker as well I try to be a patient person. I think I use the holidays as pretty much my uh, my benchmarks. You know, Memorial Day of the first two months of the season, I want to look at my team, figure out where I'm. Uh, what do I need? Do I need speed? Do I need uh, do I need power? Do I need pitching? Whatever it might be. Do I need a certain position? You know, the second base guy's not doing anything. And then for the next two months, up until July fourth, pretty much, I try and fix those problems. Whether it's by trading, making a uh, you know, dropping plays that I didn't want to drop, that I want to be patient with. But now, hey, it's two months, bigger sample size, time to move on. So uh, that's pretty close to where I am now. I'm still judging certain players. I want to give them time. The weather is warming up now, so we really can't use that as, as an excuse anymore. That, uh, oh, just, you know, it's cold weather here in the Northeast for the first couple of weeks. It was, but now we're getting uh, back to normal baseball weather now over the past week for, and hopefully for the rest of the year. So you can make better judgments here. Uh, so I try and be patient. I, I truly do. That's not to say you can't churn the bottom of your roster. That I'll certainly do. Those. That's why I drafted the, the bottom of my roster. I knew I'd be moving on from those. But established players, I, I'm still in the wait, and let's see if they can break out of it mode. Yeah, you know, we'll get into a lot of those uh, a little bit later today. And, uh, you know, we have some interviews coming up. Uh, in the next segment, we'll talk my my Roto experts at the park with uh, – <laughs> With uh, Braves manager Brian Snick, Snick, Snicker. Uh, and then uh, also later in the uh, show, we'll hear from uh, Braves pitcher Sean Newcomb. And our guest analyst today will be uh, will be Rusty Ryle, my friend and uh, former uh, utility man for the Arizona Diamondbacks, former Major League player. Rusty uh, used to host a show on this network with me and always has some interesting insights. And we'll be bringing him in 
uh, for his takes on the whole uh, DeGrom, Harvey situations, as well as some other players around the league like Christian Villanueva and Steve think these guys can keep it up. So you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of guys who are not playing up to par and we're still just basically bad the, uh, uh, past the first month. And Anthony Rizzo isn't even hitting 200. Yeah, like I said, uh, you want to be patient. It's only, uh, you said it perfectly, baseball's a long season. You know, and uh, well, Mickey Callaway said it perfectly. Uh, so you want to realize that you don't want to make a move now you're going to regret in six weeks. You know, because uh, I mean, it's established players for me. Guys who I like to say, you look at the back of your baseball of a baseball card, you can see what they've done over and over and over again. Odds are in baseball they're going to hit close to those numbers again. Just a matter of time. So I want to be patient with that. It's really, uh, you know, it's May, what are we, May 6th now. I have no problem if you're in a 27 round draft, you know, the bottom five rounds. I'm, I've already turned those to get better pitchers or, or better position, speed, whatever I think uh, is necessary. Or if someone else in my league hasn't been patient. You know, I've been in a league where somebody released the line with the Shields. And it's another thing you can see. If you're, uh, if you're in a league with minimal or no DL spots, then there have been good players put on by, uh, the wave of wide because the team got scurred with the uh, players hurt. I know in one league I have nine guys currently on the DL. Well, nine guys hurt. I don't think I have 90 L spots, but I have uh, nine guys hurt. And I've had to make some tough choices to field a full lineup. So you, uh, that's why you should always be checking your waiver wire. I, check, I tend to check my, cha- my waiver wire daily. I, know, I don't check my standings daily, but I do check the waiver wire daily to see if anybody puts somebody out there that I can use. Uh, it may not be as important in a league where you're only doing fab once a week tonight. But if you're in a fab with twice a week or even uh, I do play in one league where it's every day, actually two leagues where it's every day, then it's uh, even more important to check your uh, fab to make sure or pet check the waiver wire to make sure that there isn't somebody out there. That's much more important to me than anything else. Yeah, I, you you always have to you always have to be checking to see what's going on. And, uh, you know, I always when I'm going through my waivers, I always like to, like, sort by the last seven days. And uh, you know, see who the hottest guys are. Like if I'm sorting, like say I'm on CBSSports.com, like I'm in the Granite Street Tavern League. Uh, I always look for who's hot. And over the last 14 days or the last seven days, uh, like to see who 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 has the most. I I generally tend to sort by hits and quality starts. I think that's a good way of going about it. Hits, obviously, the player is hot. You know, uh, of course, you could have a hit. A player doesn't have any hits, but has hit the bad luck. And uh, but I, it's a good, it's a good way as anything. Quality starts. Uh, I hate that that stat quality starts. I truly do. I wish they would change it to more. Uh, I can go seven and three or six and two as far as innings pitched and runs. I can't go six and three. That's a four point five ERA. That really, that's a really, that's a bugaboo for me. Is that uh, the quality start things? I four point five. You're not really six innings, three innings of bullpen, and you had a four point five ERA. I, I'll never understand how we how that's the mainstream quality starts that. Well, let's flip. Let's uh, flip it though and say if. After six innings, you come out and you struck out six and you only allowed three runs and maybe walked one or two. You've kept your team in the game. It's not like you've gotten battered around either. It's well, that's uh, fine. Then, it's more of a maybe the quality start is. Let's not call maybe, it a quality start. It's not quality. Maybe maybe a respectable start. Uh, okay. I, I don't have a problem with respectable start. Sure. I think what you said is right. You have kept your team in the game. Quality three starts runs, six maybe should be six runs, two innings. I mean, six six innings, two earned runs. I think that's that's probably even yeah. That, yeah. That's what I would prefer. Or seven. If you go seven innings and three runs, I'm okay with that too. Not because you really saved your bullpen. Anymore. 
No, no one goes. No, we're in a different age of baseball. We don't like going through the third time of the batting order now. You know, I'm, I think eventually we're going to have see. Uh, I think the 25 man roster might go to 27 in uh, five, ten years. And you're going to have more all stars. Five innings is going to be it, unless you're you know unless you're a true ace. Five innings, two uh, turns through the uh, the lineup. That's it. And then you're you're gone. The bullpen's going to take over, pitch four innings on, on a nightly basis almost, which is what we're close to now anyway. But I think baseball's going to become even more mainstream that way because of, uh, you know, I, I think, they, oh, once you're the third time through the lineup, the hitters are seeing you, they're going to crush you. But sure, they're going to hit better. I don't know about, know about crush. I mean, uh, strikeouts are going through the roof uh, in baseball nowadays. Everyone's trying to crush everything. It's really either hit a home run or strike out. Yeah, well, it's it's still early now. It's just the weather is starting to turn, so we're starting to see some guys pick it up as well. Yeah, we expected that, right? We expected the players to to heat up with the weather, as they say, and I think that will happen. But I don't know if strikeouts are truly coming down, though. I mean, no one does little things anymore, Scott. No one's trying to move runners over uh, or hit, you know the shift. Everyone complains about the shift. Well, if the bat is adjusted. You have the whole side of an infield open generally. I mean, uh, Didi Gurriel is taking advantage of this now, bunting. A bunch of times, and then we saw. Uh, I think it was in the Houston series. Houston adjusted; they no longer shifted on him because he kept bunting for base hits. You know what I noticed? There was a stat. Uh, I'm trying to remember who put it put it out there. I'd like to give proper credit, but Didi Gregorius has hit all of his career home runs to right field. I saw that also. Yeah, that is. But the Yankees certainly found a player for that ballpark. I got to tell you, with it being three ten down the line, it was. Perfect pickup, smart pickup by the Yankees when they got him. All right, we'll uh, we'll talk to Braves manager Brian Snedker next. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Back here on the Roto Experts in the morning. Scott Engel and George Kurtz heard about DailyRoto.com's dollar month here on the network, but I wanted to put it in context for you. Let's say you buy a lottery ticket, you pay your dollar, pick a bunch of numbers, and that's it. You then clutch the ticket and hope. Now, let's say you try DailyRoto.com dollar month. You pay your dollar, get access for 30 days, and you're transported into a world that has produced five millionaires. Take destiny into your own hands. Go to DailyRoto.com and enter the code $1. That's DailyRoto.com and enter the code one dollar. So uh, make sure you go over and check that out. That is a great free trial run for Daily Roto. Uh, you get lineup alerts in your inbox. You get some. Uh, you, get, uh, you get to create uh, great custom projections. So make sure you check that out at DailyRoto.com. And also go to DailyRoto.com this morning if you're playing uh, NASCAR today on FanDuel or DraftKings as. Uh, as we got the race today, and Sean Angle uh, completely previews everything that's going on over at uh, Dover, the Munster Mile. But let's get back to fantasy baseball and Roto Experts at the Park. And uh, here is my interview with Atlanta Braves manager Brian Snitker. 
Skip, what's been the big difference for Dan V. Swanson this season, you know, off to the uh, much better start? No, I just think Dansby was a little more prepared when he came to spring training. I think he knew what he was getting into, and, and um, he came in with a great attitude. He worked his tail off and, and um, I think had a lot of confidence in his, in his ability, and, and um, he's been really solid this year. Well, Mike Fultonevich seems like he's having a, a breakthrough season finally. Uh, you know, difference in pitch sequencing and selection is that has that has that helped? Some of it, I think. He's he's you know again. Here's another guy that came in driven. I think this spring training he had a really good spring. He's really focused. Um, you know, he's kind of stayed the course. He had a good spring. He stayed the course. He's been pitching very aggressive and and, and with a lot of confidence. And and um, I think that's you know one of the big things that's attributing to the. the early success he's had. What about Sean Newcomb, another young guy who's uh, maybe having a breakthrough year for him, getting a lot of Ks per nine. Uh, when you look at the advanced stat, the BABIP maybe points to that, you know, even better times ahead. Yeah, no, he's just he just keeps improving. You know, I mean, from where he was a year ago, I mean, it's just um, he's he's getting better. He's getting more confident. He's learning about himself. I mean, they're, they, you know, they're really working hard with the fastball command. It's been a lot better. Um, again, he's another one that had a really good spring. And, you know, it's just a young guy, I think, that's maturing and getting confidence in himself and and um, a little better idea about what he's doing as a pitcher. Inciarte hit ninth for you now. Do you tend to keep him there? And maybe that's almost like a second leadoff hit if we you 13 stolen bases already on his way to career high? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we just we did it the other day, and we had some good success. I don't know that if it's going to be a long-term thing. Um, we'll just kind of wait and see how it plans out. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. All right, so break. Brian Snitker, and I obviously did this interview before Dansby Swanson hit the DL with a wrist injury. But uh, Swanson off to a better start this year, was hitting 289 with 13 RBIs, two stolen bases, uh, on base percentage of 336, which is kind of like just a little bit above the league average there. But uh, Swanson certainly not as bad as he was last year. But we've talked a lot about Swanson, and you hope he can be 15 15. You do. You hope he comes back from the injury and uh, he's fine. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt he's better than he was last year. I think people. I think people originally expect him to become, uh, you know, the next one of these great shortstops that we have now. You know, the Correa's, the Bogarts, and on and on there. And he's he's not that kind of player. So you hope he comes back from the injury. Uh, it's funny. We, I know you and I talked about it, but really, nobody else has because of what Ozzy Alves is doing. That's all anybody wants to talk about is the breakout this guy's had. Yeah, that the top of that lineup where right now with Albies and Acuna is just uh is just tremendous right now. I got a chance to watch them sweep the Mets at City Field this past week and there's just a different attitude around this team that ultimately I think people believe the Nationals and the Mets are probably gonna fight it out or one will be the the division winner, the other be wild card. And the Braves may be hitting a little bit over their head, right playing a little bit over their head right now, but What's interesting is at the beginning of the series, you know, I was there for the first game at City Field, and they closed the clubhouse 40 minutes early for a team meeting. This team is maybe maybe they won't win a wild card spot, but I think they believe they can contend for it. They have a hell of a lot of, of young talent there, and they came out racking Noah Syndergaard and end up sweeping the Mets in what they felt was an important early season series. So where the Braves might not win the division – you know, this is a team that certainly 
is going to bother a hell of a lot of people in the division and whoever they play. And you got to turn to them for some fantasy numbers. Well, the, the Braves playing well is not really uh, a surprise. It may be a year ahead of time. You know, we knew the pitching was coming. That organization is loaded with pitching. We knew Acuna was going uh, Everybody and their mother was saying he's going to be a superstar, which now it looks like he very well might be. I mean, that man... Uh, he swings hard. He's got a very, very good bat speed. And when he, when he connects, that ball goes a long way. Uh, I said, Ozzy Albies, really nobody saw coming here. Uh, I think they're making a mistake in putting in Ciardi, batting him ninth. In this day and age, you want your best hitters to get up as much as possible. You know, I understand. You know, you got uh, some problems with where do you bat, who bats where. You want Acuna to bat second, Freeman to bat third. What do you do with Albies? Well, bat, still, losing an at-bat. Because yeah, when you're batting ninth, you're going to lose about 80 at-bats a year, somewhere around there. That, that, for one of your better hitters, that seems silly. In this day and age, we should know better than that. So I think that's a mistake, but it also shows you the problem they have. You know, they can hit as well. You know, Marquez all of a sudden looks like the player he was in his younger career in, in Baltimore, if not better than that. So uh, things, are going, things are going their way now, but once again, we'll see what happens as the season rolls on here. See if they do have some problems, uh, if they will have some problems. What, what happens when they hit? A slow streak, and you know they go one and seven in a streak, which will happen, or two and six, something like that. They're a young team. How will they rebound out of that? Well, they've already lost lost their last two to San Francisco. Uh, very weak team since sweeping the Mets. You know, maybe a lot of motion taken out of it. But you talk about Enciarte hitting ninth, and like I would talk with Snicker and uh, you know some other beat reporters around around the Braves, and you can hear most more interviews on demand that they feel that NCR can almost turn the lineup over at the bottom because they have Albies and uh, and Acuna up top. And right now, so far, uh, NCR 261 with a 315 on base percentage. But when you look at the fact he's stolen 13 bases already, you know, this is a guy that could have 35 steals maybe this year. You haven't even seen the best of him yet. Yeah, that, that's why, uh, you know, NCR is on quite a few of my rosters because of stolen bases. Yeah, he's a guy I was able to get later in my draft, who I, I'm assuming will steal 30-plus base. That really has to be his game. Uh, he's got some pop, but not really a lot of pop. And uh, you want the bases stolen. You know, uh, and batting ninth won't stop that, actually. It uh, should play into that. But, as I said, he'll lose at bats. You know, during, uh, during a long season, if he's there for 160 games, you're going to lose anywhere between 80 and 100 at bats batting ninth. Just the way it goes, because not everyone's going to get uh, five plate appearances a game. So uh, you can, I'm not happy about where he's batting. And I just think, uh, baseball wise, I don't think it makes sense in this day and age. We should know better than that. Uh, I, I get it. He's almost like another leadoff hitter batting ninth. Da, 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 da. We've heard this over and over again. But I think uh, they'll make the correction eventually. Uh, a, a, an injury could happen, which will take care of it. Or B, they'll realize that uh, not quite what they're hoping for. Well, right now, the way they have the lineup structured, though, you have Acuna and Albies at the top. You know, do you really want to move one of those kids out of the top of the order? I didn't say he has to bat at the top of the order. You just don't have one of your better hitters batting ninth. It doesn't make sense. Over, I'll say it again. You will lose 80 to 100 at-bats. That doesn't make any sense for lesser hitters. So like I guess you don't the, want to the see that from a fantasy out. perspective, but you know where do you want to put even a major league baseball right percentage? Anybody will tell you this. You don't have your better hitters batting in the bottom of the line. There's a reason why all throughout history we've had their hitters batting there, the worst hitters, because they don't get up as much. You don't want your best because you're going to lose 80 to 100 at bats. It doesn't make sense for anything, major league baseball or fantasy for that matter. They're not worried about fantasy, but it doesn't make any sense for your batter to lose 80, one of your better hitters to lose 80 to 100 at bats. Okay, so based on that, uh, 
Do you want him hit him lead off over Albies? I guess that depends on what you think, Al. I mean, if on the Braves or what you think uh, Albies is going to become. Is he going to be a power hitter? If that's true, then probably you don't want him batting first. You know, uh, but it's tough. I mean, generally in this day and age, we, uh, most uh, teams believe your best hitter should bat second, which I guess in that case right. would be Freddie Freeman, but they don't seem to want to do that. So they want to go with Kuhn yeah. a second. You know, uh, and I don't know if I would have thrown him automatically at second. I am of the, uh, I guess, of the belief that, you know, your, your top players, maybe you want to bat him a little lower. I'm not saying what the Yankees are doing with Torres when you bat him eighth. I don't like that either. But maybe I would have batted him fifth. Let him work his way up to second or third. But uh, he's batting second. He's hitting so fine. So Acuna second, Freeman third. Actually, it's tough. I, I'm probably putting uh, in Ciardi, even though he's not the type of power hitter, in the, somewhere around five. You know, I don't, I don't like having his type of hitter because he really should be a guy batting on the top of the order as well. It probably should be an out. I would probably go Albies uh, and Ciardi, one, two, whichever way you want to go. It. And then I'm doing Freeman, Acuna Freeman, somewhere around there. Even though that's not perfect, because right. once again, each each spot in the order you go lower. I mean, what you else do, do you have? Numbers, I see where you're you lose going. They have Mark, Markakis, Batista, Swanson, no, Batista, I don't Margo, care about. et cetera. So it would make sense to put those top four at the, at the top of the lineup. That's probably what I'm doing. But I'm, I think uh, it's funny. I think uh, I think they're trying to eat the, make their cake and eat it too. And what I mean by that is they believe in the hitter. Uh, what I've been pointing out, and that's why they don't want to move Freeman. Or Acuna, because they know they'll lose at-bats. But with Enciarte, they're willing to lose the at-bats. And they're, they're willing to lose it for players like Mark Higgins. I get it, he's hot. He's not going to stay there all year. Bautista, I mean, they shouldn't even be worrying about him. And pretty much everybody else in that lineup. So uh, I think it's because of the type of hitter he is. And that they either they only want to bat him first, second, or ninth. They don't want to put him in the 4-5 because that's a traditional power slot. And it, it is. Uh, but still, you want your best hitters getting as many at-bats as possible. And batting ninth... They won't get that. Yeah, you almost made a cliche there, but uh, it wasn't quite a cliche. You said make your cake and eat it too, which is usually have your cake. Ba- yeah, and have your cake too. and eat it too. Yeah. Believe me, I, I don't worry I about the cliches with, with that, you. Though. That doesn't bother me at all. Oh, I know it's one of your pet peeves, peeves, not one of mine. And I would I like a slice strong, of cake right now. I think you're a str- when you when you write it. I think it's worse. It's you know, and I'm I'm a journalist here. It's. To me, when people like write stuff like that, it's like lazy. You can do better. It's to me, you're a better journalist if you don't resort to cliches. See, in my mind, you're trying to convey a point to the reader, and and if that's the way you have to convey it, that's the way you convey it. I don't care how you convey it. It doesn't bother me when people use cliches. I know what they're trying to say. I get it. I get it. And I that's I think that's our, that's our think only job. And see, I, I think that's it's a pet peeve. It's, it's lazy, not mine. And you can do better. Convey your point. That's our only job. Convey the point. Get your point yeah, across. You, to, you, you know what else I have problem with cliches? People use them millions of times, and they don't even know sometimes what they mean or what the origin is. Or where you know, you know what's sad? You know, uh, I, I talk to a lot of younger people because I hang around with my nieces and stuff like that, and they don't even know what you're talking about with half these cliches. They have no idea. They didn't even heard of them. Yeah. That's you know why it's lazy. You're just picking. It's, you're just spouting out what other people are spouting out, regurgitating it. That's not lazy, by the way. But at least not the definition of lazy, as far as them not knowing. That was the point I was trying no, to make. I'm saying at that's all. why when people ultimately, I'm not talking about young people. It's, it's just you know you learn it when you're young, and then you continue to do it because you don't know any better. 
pet peeve you're angry about it doesn't doesn't bother. I'll, I'll let you know it's something I'm angry about that I that bothers me. And I, I I wanted to ask you this all week actually, or at least last couple yeah. of days. Um, right. I don't know. I know then you're we'll go a Mets back to now. talk about the Braves after that. I don't know uh, if the Mets have something equivalent, but I'm sure there must be something uh, they do, or if, or another team you like. You know, I'm a Yankee fan. And it always bothers yeah. me when someone calls themselves, a, uh, I'm a big Yankee fan, and I see them wearing a Yankee jersey with a name on the back. Yeah, that drives yeah. me insane because the Yankees don't. I mean, that's really because a, a the big Yankees, pet peeve. Yeah, like you'll, you'll see in Modell, they sell it. It'll say like Stanton on the back, Stanton 27. And, and, you know, the Yankees have never worn no- names on the back of their uniforms. I wouldn't buy that if it was free. Because that once again the Yankees don't do that. But it also bothers me. Uh, yeah, but you're trying to convey a point of who the player is, right? Well, I get it because not everybody would know the uh, what number he is. I do get but, it but by still, your I, logic. I still think uh, it's bad. But I'm watching a TV show the other uh, the other day, and this is what uh, it ruined the whole show for me. Uh, it was some show based in New York, <laughs> and they're. Uh, uh, it's a stupid little point here, but as being a, a Yankee fan or any fan, this happened really a bunch of teams, I imagine. Uh, they're talking about Yankee season tickets, about how the two whatever two main roles they want the Yankee season tickets, and they finally get them, and they uh, you know they they celebrate. Goes oh we can't wait for April second, seven oh five opening day, and as soon as I uh, that ruined the show for me, seven oh five opening day. When was the last time the Yankees opened at night at home? Anybody? And you're talking about you're talking about me being a stickler. I, but that, but that's you talk about lazy writing. To me, that's lazy writing. Are the writers? You can't do a little research to find out. No, I mean, I'm I get just that. trying to convey a point that they're going that, to the opening game, right? By hence, your logic. But I'm willing. I'm also willing to admit it's a pet peeve of mine. I already said that. Yeah. You can't admit. It. I can. It I did. Me. I it it, it ruined the show peeve. for me. Why did I not say it was a pet peeve of mine? I've said it in the past many times. He didn't say that when I said it. He kept saying, "Oh, lazy writer." Saying I never admit when I was wrong, which which was also incorrect. You just said you did did not admit it was a pet peeve when I said it. You said lazy writer. You kept bringing that up. You did not say pet peeve once. I said pet peeve, and I admitted this is my pet peeve. So many times, and I've already admitted it. I felt like I didn't have to like openly say that again. You need to say it every time in every show. We're gonna put it in your contract. You always you always say it's a pet peeve of mine, and I never argue with. Sure, you do. You don't you don't argue against you don't argue against pet peeve. If you're a, if you're a lawyer, you're going to win this because you're right. You don't say it's not, but you you make like I said in this case you made the argument it's lazy writing, but you never mentioned pet peeve. Yeah. No, so yes, you'd you'd win. Whenever a, you say a, it's a pet of peeve of yours, I never say no, George. It's not. No, you don't. No, you don't agree, but you don't say it. No, you win in a lawsuit. I'll admit it because you never do. Yeah, and ultimately I'll win on the site because if you like submit that kind of stuff, you know I'm gonna. Yeah, I can't win that either. (laughs) (laughs) Although you don't do that too much anymore. I said to me, uh, I'm trying to convey a point in any way I can get it across. If it's uh, something that's uh, said a gazillion times, doesn't bother me. And when I read it, it doesn't bother me. That I generally know what they're trying to convey. I'd rather I. I'd rather that than read a column where you can see someone's trying to use different words that just don't make any sense because they're trying. You know, and they don't want yeah, to say something. I feel like you're not trying when you write something like, "You may catch lightning in a bottle." You know, it's it, it doesn't. But I, yeah, I know what they're trying to say there. It's it lazy. It's easy. Least. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. It's it's too easy. Be more creative, or, or you you just you know don't do something that's been done a million times. Don't buy a Yankee jersey with a name on the back. I think maybe I'm going to get you one for your birthday. When's your birthday? 
Uh, I'm in August. I'm a, I'm a Leo. I'm in uh, August 25. Uh, my family's loaded with birthdays in August, man. I'm a 21st. My daughter's the 16th. My niece is the 17th. Having somebody else the 22nd or 24th. Man, I guess we had a lot of fun on Thanksgiving in our, uh, my family. I, I know a lot of people like to p- pick at Yankee fans saying they laugh at the people who like uh, wear the jerseys with the name on the back because those are the ones who like jumped on the bandwagon over the last 20 years or so. That's another reason why I can't wear it, by the way. I would never do that, yeah. All right, we'll talk some more Atlanta Braves uh, coming up after the break here on the Roto Experts on Sunday, the weekend edition. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back here on the Roto Experts Weekend Edition, Scott England, George Kurtz, back talking a little bit of Atlanta Braves here. And uh, Mike Fultonevich got hit hard this weekend, but overall it's been a successful season for him so far uh, as we've been waiting for him to break out. And I was also to the point where, like, I don't know if this is going to happen, but, you know, now it has. Right now he's 2-2 two and two with a 3.65 ERA, uh, generating 10.46K per nine. The XFIP is only 3 Point eight one, and it seems like Mike Fultonevich is uh, finally seeming to have that breakthrough. He's throwing his fastball a little bit less than he did last year, using the slider a little bit more, a little less on the change, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, a little less on the curveball, and and more on the change. And as far as uh, his velocity's up a tick on the uh, four seam fastball, according to Fangraphs last year, he was ninety five point seven. This year, he's almost at 97 on the fastball. But, you know, talking to, uh, you know, some of the beat reporters around the Braves, it's really all about the fastball command. And if he can harness that, uh, that, you know, he should continue to be successful, even though he got hit pretty hard by the Giants the last time around. Getting hit by the hard by the Giants should really not be in anyone's uh, vocabulary describing a pitcher. Giants not a very good team, so it's concerning, but uh, hey, it happens. It's baseball. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the, uh, the Braves starting staff now because I think the, lo- the longer the Braves are competing, I think uh, I, I probably McCarthy would have to come out first because the Braves are loaded with pitching prospects. You know, now I think Sor- is Soroka going to stay? I think he is going to stay. If I'm the Braves, I'm certainly may- letting him stay. But they also have, you know, Gahara, Wright, Allen. I mean, everybody in their organization seems to be a pitching prospect after Acuna. So uh, this is where their strength lies. This is why, we're, why I think most people thought they were a year away, let that pitching mature, and uh, maybe make an addition or two during this offseason uh, as far as the bats are concerned, and then you go after it next year. They seem to be a year ahead of schedule here. You know, Toronto all of a sudden pitching pretty well, home and away, after that first start. You know, Newcomb, Soroka, 
Fulton Edwich. You know, it's really that McCarthy spot we're worried about here. So I like what the Braves are doing here. Fulton Edwich, uh, fantasy-wise, uh, he's not a guy who I think is an automatic star for me week in and week out, Scott. You know, I try to... I, He's more than a matchup guy. I don't want to say he's a matchup guy, but he's a guy I look at. No, maybe he's in this week. Maybe he's not. I, he's been too up and down. He hasn't been consistent yet for me, and I'm waiting for that to come. Uh, he's also the guy the uh, Braves wouldn't trade to the Yankees for Brian McCann a couple of years back. The Braves wouldn't give up on him. So the Braves like him as well. I'm not. Bottom line is I'm not totally sold on him. And you can listen to uh, more Braves analysis on demand. Check out my At the Park interview with Braves uh, team reporter Kevin McCallopin of uh, 560, the fan there in Atlanta, follows him very closely. He was the one who was really talking about Fulton Everson's fastball command. Also, Brandon McCarthy so far, they, uh, he is uh, he's 4 and 1 right now with a uh, 484 ERA, 185 whip. Which was kind of blown up yesterday. They go, they 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 got some quality starts already from from Brandon McCarthy. When you talk about the young staff, this is why they brought him in. You know, this is a 34 year old guy with 12 years of experience. And for McCarthy, you know, maybe it is really just about staying healthy. Everything got blown up yesterday because he gave up eight earned runs in three and third of an inning, uh, and he had a bad start against Cincinnati on April 24th. Uh, but other than that, in, in if you take a look at his last six starts going into yesterday, five of the last six starts were quality starts. Can we call them respectable? I kind of like that better. Respectable uh, starts. I'm not looking at whether starts. it's – And these are all quality starts, I think, because, well, actually, like maybe one of them wasn't, but – he allowed three earned runs or less in uh, five of his last six starts. He had he had one four really good starts, one mediocre one, and one bad one. I think the problem is this: going by, going by what today's definition of a quality start is, he's only had one. Right? He's a five inning pitcher, you know, and that that right. concerns me. It concerns me more in the major are league some level. Of the starts, well, let's not let's not necessarily. I'm not going by the quality starts definition. I'm just saying that five of his last starts. Six starts have either been decent or respectable. You know, there's in those five innings, you know, you've seen one earned run. Yeah, I think that the problem is this. Uh, he's a bullpen killer. And certainly the Braves are going to have to realize that because you can't have so, somebody going three-plus innings every time this guy pitches. And ironically, the only start he's gone six innings is at Colorado. Figure that one out. Uh but he's gone five and a third, five, five and a third, five, five and a third. And as you mentioned, San Fran, he got blown up in three. So uh, I think that's an issue here, that he can't go deeper into games. Maybe he's building up arm strength. Maybe it'll, it'll happen. You know, maybe he's uh, being too cute and not throwing the ball over the strike zone enough, whatever it might be. But uh, the fact that he can't go deeper, I think, uh, concerns me as the season rolls along here. It also means he's not going to build generally all that many strikeouts, although he's got six in a couple of games. But generally, he's probably averaging around four. So fantasy-wise... Where's he helping you here? You're gonna keep hoping that the wins are gonna keep going. The team's gonna keep scoring for him. You know, I think he's a guy. Uh, he's a bottom of the roster guy for me. I'll start him now while the going's good, but eventually, I'm really well aware that he's gonna have to go or at least be on my bench more often than not. Yeah, and you know, I think we've avoided talking about the obvious here. You know, Albie's a Cunin. Freeman. Freeman's just you know he's Freddie Freeman, but. If there's one guy that I really love to watch as a hitter, it's uh, it's Freeman. It's you know they they give him nothing to hit, and he he still drives it everywhere. He's he's incredible. I mean, uh, when he got hit 
uh, a couple of, was it, a week ago, 10 days ago. I assume that wrist was fractured again, especially the way he just walked straight to the dugout. You're like, oh, damn it. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, but uh, great that it wasn't. And I think it was good to see that the power came back right away. I always get worried about wrist, hand, finger injuries, that even if they're playing, if they, you know, you can't grip the bat the same way. If you can't get that whip, you're not going to be able to uh, hit the ball as far. Uh, so I was very happy to see when he came back uh, a game or two later. I think he had a home run. It's like, great, that put that, uh, that worry to bed because the last thing I want to see is Freeman lose that ability again. Uh, that, this top of the order in Atlanta is the real deal. I mean, uh, Acuna, we know. He, I think he'll have some stretches where he'll struggle. I do, uh, uh, you know, once uh, opposing pitchers see video of him, they'll find, they'll find a hole in the swing. He'll need to make adjustments here. I think Albies have the same problem, too. Uh, I just don't know when this is going to happen. Uh, Freeman, we know, is a uh, legitimate threat. I think Marquegas is the one guy I probably worry about the most. Uh, I, I can't explain what he's doing right now. He's hitting the power and average. He's doing, and he looks great. He really looks like the player he was in Baltimore back in early in his career. Uh but I think that's coming back down as well. So I wonder how the Braves will handle when all this happens. Now, now that's all going to happen at once, but it will. It should happen. Generally, that's the way baseball works. And I think how they handle that or how long it takes them to break out of that could be a uh, really the definition of their season. I don't think they'll compete for a division title. I think Washington will win that. But I think they could uh, compete for a wild card with you know, once the Mets figure things out here with the Cardinals. You know, you throw them with Diamondbacks or Dodgers once they figure it out. I think the National League could be fun as far as the wild card is concerned. Mike Soroka made his major league debut earlier this week. Uh, six innings pitch, six hits, and uh, one earned run and five strikeouts. It was a pretty solid performance. And if very ballyhooed, uh, I guess you could say. Uh, you have a lot of a lot of fantasy owners very excited to see what this kid can do, and it was a very solid performance. I was I was there for that. And, uh, you know, he wasn't dominant. He was not overpowering, but he certainly got the job done. And you know, this is a kid that they were uh, very very excited about, and uh, finally got to make his major league debut. And uh, today he's got to play ace against uh, San Francisco as they try not to get swept uh, as he opposes Andrew Suarez today at 1.35 p.m. Eastern at SunTrust Park. Uh, Soroka living up to the billing in his first uh, major league start, and now he's got to prevent the Braves from getting broomed today. And uh, you would think this is a good uh, matchup for him, but San Francisco is actually coming and taking the first two games of this series in Atlanta but uh, how impressed were you by Sorokin? Do you think he can stay in the major league rotation? Uh, I was impressed. I mean, because uh, it was it was against the Mets, you know, if, uh, New York. They haven't hit go- at all recently, though. Right, and I was going to bring that point up as well. And, but you're up against Thor as well. I mean, so it, the game was bad, you know, and, and you're a top prospect. So was, the game was bad. Everyone wanted to watch, and there was a lot of eyeballs on it. Uh, but to your point, yeah, I think we forget that sometimes. Yes, the Mets weren't uh, the Mets were in a, in a down period. That's what baseball is, and, you know, ups and downs. The Mets are in a down period right now, so we caught them at the right time. You know, if you would have faced them maybe in the first two weeks of the season, this could be completely different. But let me ask you this, Scott. Let's say uh, he doesn't have to pitch a gem today, but let's say he pitches well. How much are you spending on him tonight? I'm not saying you are, but if you were going to spend on him, because let's face it, he's going to be one of the – if he pitches well today, he's going to be one of the top fab guys tonight at all. Matter of fact, if he pitches anything but awful today – I think he'll be a top fab guy tonight because people are going to want to believe that he'll stay in the rotation. He's going to be an ace all year long. We've heard about this guy. How much are you spending? Let's say you need a pitcher too. You're not desperate, but you need one. You could use him. How much are you going to spend tonight? If he pitches really good today, uh, 
you know, shot to stick in the rotation. Pedigree, you're talking about too. Uh, they could always throw Anibal Sanchez in the bullpen when he comes back. Yes. They should throw Anibal Sanchez know, in the though. garbage. Yeah, well, Sanchez pitched well before he went on the DL, didn't he? Sanchez shouldn't be stopping anybody. But you know, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, you're right. Yeah. He, he's a problem because the, so, he's on the Braves. I probably wouldn't bid more than, say, out of 100. I probably wouldn't bid more than $22. I think I think it's, I was going to say about twenty, uh, about a quarter of my budget. So right around 22 25 because there's a lot of worry here. Because you're right. I mean, Sanchez is still there. I mean, uh, and you said if he pitches well, what if he doesn't pitch well today? You know, what if he pitches, like I said, not terribly, but he's just okay today. Five innings, three runs. You know, I'm not even saying he gets beat up. Uh, actually, if, if I want Soroka tonight, I'm kind of hoping he gets beat up a little bit today. Maybe keep that price down a little bit. I don't know if that'll work. Cause I think it's beat be up, though. Out he there. might get booted out of the rotation. That's the problem. When Sanchez comes back. That's the problem. You're playing a guessing game here or uh, – you want him to get beat up, but not enough to get taken out of the rotation, but enough to get his price down to maybe of a teen level rather than 22. So, uh, and this is what's fun. This is really what's fun about Fab is trying to, uh, you know, tailor your bid to where you think you might be able to get him without spending too much because there's nothing worse. I, uh, you don't you don't see every bid sometimes. But sometimes, uh, and I don't want to see every bid. I hate when I bid on a player, you know, you bid $18 a such and such player. The second highest bid was 6 you know, that's just $12 wasted there. So uh, I think it's one of the more fun parts of, uh, of fantasy is trying to you know, create the correct bid where you're not bidding too much, just, just enough. And sometimes, uh, you know, I don't even like to know if I bid too much. It's just a, it's not going to make me feel any better. Generally, it's going to make me feel much worse. Yeah, and uh, also in the bullpen, Arodes Vizcaino uh, is pitching really, really well. Uh, 198 ERA, 124 whip. Uh, you like the whip to be a little bit lower. Uh, in terms of the strikeouts, he's had 16 and 13 two-thirds innings pitch, but he's only had four saves. He's really gotten the job done nicely, but uh, no, we haven't seen enough save opportunities for him yet. And that's why, you know, it's uh, same thing. It's hard to judge a starting pitcher sometimes about wins because not always in his control. Same thing with a closer. I mean, what do you want the guy to do? If the save opportunities aren't there, if they're winning by too many runs or, you know, they either win big or lose big, it's just not going to be there for him. It's hard to blame him. He is pitching well. And I think the best thing, though, for Vizcaino owners is one thing I might have been worried about is if the Braves got to a poor start or weren't playing well, he could have been on a trade block. You know, there's a losing team, need a closer, that sort of thing, to bring back more prospects. Now I'm not as worried about that because they're being competitive. They may want to keep their better players. And maybe Minter doesn't uh, get anointed to that role right away. So I'll take the glasses half full approach here. That at least if you're a Vizcaino owner, he's not uh, where I, in March I may have thought he was a good chance he'd get traded. I don't think that right now. Right now you look at the Atlanta Braves as sitting atop the NL East with a 19-13 and 13 record, a game ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies, which is surprising. The Mets in third, the Nationals in fourth, the Marlins naturally in fifth. But when you figure you have the best record in the National League, then your closer might have more saves. You would. It's, it's, listen, it's, it's disappointing. Any way you want to uh, cut this, it's, it's disappointing that he doesn't have more saves. You wanted more saves. But uh, I think that'll balance out. You know, I think uh, you'll get your saves here. What are you going to do? You're not going to release the guy. You know, if you're, if you're loaded with closers, I guess you could bench them, but you're not going to release a closer. So either way, you're just going to have to eat it. Pretty much. And, uh, you know, the Phillies, are the thing have been better than expected, too, 18 and 14 so far. 
And they haven't really started, you know, Carl Santana, I know he had a home run the other night, but he had to start to hit, you know, was he batting 180? So, uh, Signing Arietta, Arietta late in the uh, preseason in spring training uh, was a good move for them. Sort of stabilizes that pitching staff. This is another team that is loaded with prospects. And I think the Phillies in the offseason are a team to watch as far as Bryce Harper is concerned, as far as Manny Machado is concerned. This is a team that has a lot of money, a very good TV contract. It's actually a great TV contract. And I don't think we're, I don't think anybody's talking about them enough as far as being the uh, major players. For those guys, I don't put Kershaw in here because I don't think Kershaw's leaving. But uh, as far as Machado and and or Harper, I'd almost be surprised they don't get one of them. Here's the thing, though, and you can check out the new column from Cam Giant Grande on RotoExperts.com, is that Machado could be moved before this offseason. He could be moved uh, yeah, maybe by the All-Star break. Oh, yeah, I think he'd, I think he'd be moved any, any day now. You know, But that being said, that doesn't stop him from being a free agent. There won't be a window open for the the new team to sign him. And uh, is he a Boris client? I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not positive either, but I think he is. And if he is, he's not signing until uh, Francie anyway. Boris generally doesn't allow I know it's silly that an agent doesn't allow it, but generally he talks all his players into uh, going to Francie where you get the most money. So I don't think that matters, him being traded. You know, Maybe it gives the team he's traded to, let's say it's the Dodgers, you know, that everyone's thinking about. Uh, it gives him an upper hand. But doesn't mean they're going to be able to sign him. So uh, that doesn't bother me at all as far as him being dealt. I expect him to be dealt. You know, I'd, uh, if Baltimore doesn't deal him, I mean, what are you doing, Angelus? You're not, I mean, you probably should have traded him in the offseason. You could have gotten more value for him. The longer you wait, the less his value, trade value goes down because your team's not going to have him for as long. They should be trading Machado. They should be trading Adam Jones, Zach Britton when he proves healthy, and anything else is not nailed down there. Yeah, uh, Boris is, is not... According to Bob Reed with the Baltimore Sun here, Machado's not a Boris client. Oh, well, I'm sure Scott will survive. So will Machado, for that matter. I wonder, think, he, think he gets 300-plus million? It's very possible. I mean, look look at the way he's playing right now, and if he keeps that up, and, you know, still at a very attractive age for a lot of teams. And we, we heard a lot of a lot of, a lot of rumors last year, that last offseason, that he could go to the Phillies. Yeah, I think uh, the Phillies are going to be major players for him. So I don't know if they'll trade for him. I think it'll be more of a uh, off-season signing. But I think they're going to be major players for him. Uh, I think as far as a trade, you know, we all know the Dodgers make the most sense now if they lost uh, Corey Seager for the season. Well, if you listen to some Yankee fans, I think they're getting Harper, Machado, and Kershaw. Oh, it's, it's all locked. They're going to spend $500 million on a budget. They're not getting any of these guys. They have no place to put them. I don't know if they're getting Harper. After they got Stanton, I don't know if they're getting Harper. They're not. They need pitching, pitching more than anything. Right. Starting pitching. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't more agree more. Anything. All right. Coming up next, we'll talk about the other side of New York and uh, the outlook for Jacob DeGrom. And uh, that's next. And Rusty Ryle a little bit later. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh. <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 